What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode nine of the Game Changers podcast presented by Triple Deke. Hello again, everyone. Joshua Linsberg here from your Triple Deke content team, alongside the wonderful JT Barnett, founder of Triple Deke. JT, what's up, man? How are we doing today? What's up, everyone? It's episode nine. Super excited for this. We've got a great guest today. Yes, we do. You already know the vibes. Our guest today comes from the University of Notre Dame and recently signed an entry-level contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Notre Dame's men's hockey forward, Alex Steves. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. How's it, how's it going? Doing great. So I think we got to start out uh, with some breaking news in in your life, literally moments before this podcast. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. <laughs> literally hot off a press release. You were named MVP um, at the end of the season the annual award uh there are nine awards handed out um as you guys finish the season you led the irish in scoring with 32 points on team high 15 goals and 17 assists uh it's called the brian duke walsh offensive player of the year let's go that's amazing bro congratulations on that that's a huge achievement um so first question to you is what what does it mean to uh receive this award uh you know i it's it's obviously an honor um played with a lot of great teammates not just this year but over the years who have you know helped me along the way and the staff and support that i received at notre dame is kind of everything i wanted and more and i know a lot of people say that but you know i'm I'm pretty passionate about the staff we have here and that, you know, if you want to get a great education, compete for championships and become a man along the way, it's a, it's a good spot to end up. So kind of to, to be voted on that by my teammates was, was definitely a a really big honor and uh, you know, it means a lot. That's awesome, bro. Sorry for getting super sentimental with the first question there. (laughs) Why don't you tell us a little bit about like what the season was like in an era where you're playing during a pandemic, which is insane. Like for you to be able to get that award, that's amazing. But like, what, what was the season really like doing it in that kind of COVID era? Yeah, it was, it was just pretty much like the best way to describe it It was just like different and new. Um, you know, playing in front of empty stadiums, having all the protocols, testing every day, all the close contact stuff and whatnot. Um, Stressful at times, but I think, you know, you just got to take it head on, right? And see if you can give yourself a competitive advantage over other people and over other teams if you handle it the right way. So for me, I just wanted to, you know, stay focused on what my goals were for the team and you know, my goals, goals for myself behind that. And uh, I just wanted to take advantage and make sure that I was still, still improving as a player and as a student and probably most importantly, just as a person, you know, I've grown a lot at Notre Dame and I'm still growing, but I think, you know, COVID didn't get in the way of all that stuff. And I think that's kind of just speaks to how the big 10 handled it. Uh, and then especially how Notre Dame handled it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got I got to ask, you know, about the fan base, the sports culture out there with the fighting Irish, the more West you go, the more passionate they 
they are with their college sports. Same thing with down south. Really up here, New York, Boston, it's – there's not – I'll tell you this, like, I mean, college hockey, but, like, you know, we don't have, like – we have Boston College up in Boston, but, like, they're not really that good. Sorry, Tanny, BC Eagles fans. Um, but I, I got to ask, like, it must have been really weird because you got to play with fans in both your freshman and sophomore year. Did it go – to show that like how much like the fans like actually play a part in the game. Cause I, we've talked especially, to- especially an audience like your guys arena, like yeah. especially like the fan base that you guys have. That's so like historic and uh, impactful in those games. What I would love to hear as well, like what it's like going from playing in something like that to playing in front of no one. Yeah. I mean, we missed it. That's for sure. It's, you know, one of the reasons, you know, you go, you choose to go to a school like Notre Dame and, you know, you want to play in the big 10 is every night when you're playing conference games, you know, you're playing in a, you know, high quality rank with, with really good, strong fan base. Um, And, you know, not being able to celebrate to the student section and hear the band. uh, I'd say we probably have, I think our band is like famous or something at Notre Dame. (laughs) college athletes (laughs) not having not having the the band and you know the big student sections and stuff you know it was definitely challenging and you know when you reflect on it you think you know a lot of a lot of my best memories at Notre Dame were when there were fans in the building um, particularly my freshman year when we won the Big Ten at home ice Um, that was just nuts just you know, standing room only, the all the fans cheering and singing the alma mater to the fans. It's, it's. I, I will say that college hockey, you know, making it happen this year, you know, we have to be grateful for it. But it'd be really nice if they could they could open it up again next year with all the vaccinations and stuff. Just because mm-hmm. it's it honestly just adds to the to the culture and the intensity of games having the fans. Mm-hmm. I'm sure for and, sure it does. And I gotta ask about when you guys go on the road, cause this, this has really impacted ev- everyone, no matter the level from juniors to NCAA all the way up to the pros, really. Um, when you're on the road, you, you guys really are just locked up in your hotels. Usually you're able to go out to a restaurant or, you know, um, I don't know, maybe go catch a ball game if you're in a, in a visiting city or something. And it's a nice evening now. You're not able to do those activities. There's guys in the juniors who are literally sleeping in their team arenas. I don't, I'm blanking on the team name right now, but there's a junior team uh, that is having their players stay in their arena. It's crazy, but that's the world we're living in right now. How hard was it for you guys when you went on the road to not be able to do those typical team activities or even, or even like what, what, what is your schedule on the road? Because we had John Chavo on here that is playing in the SP, and he was literally like, we have to sign a contract that we, that we in our ho- when we're even home, we can't leave our apartment complex, we can't go to a grocery store, we can't go to any sort of restaurant, and on the road, we literally can't even leave the hotel. Is it similar for you guys? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, we get treated so well here at Notre Dame. Um, and we're really fortunate to, to be in a school who's invested in its athletes and, you know, our, 
I would say like our travel schedule during COVID is probably, you know, would seem, I don't want to say posh, but really, <laughs> really, really like, you know, you got we, lucky. Yeah. We're, we, you know, even through COVID, we were really grateful to, you know, still be on some, some private charters and um, staying in nice hotels. You know, I'd say the hard thing was, not being able to like, you know, visit in each other's rooms on the roads like we usually do. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I mean, it's totally. the same, that it's the sense. same, it's the same thing like being in a regular college dorm. I don't know what it is like at Notre Dame right now, but here at my school at Hofstra, we can't even go into each other's rooms right now. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, we were still staying at the same nice hotels we do and, and traveling, you know, the same way with the, with the private charters and stuff, which we're so grateful for. But, I mean, it was tough to not to be, you know, locked up in your room at times. And I think when we were at Michigan State, we had to uh, take our meals up to our rooms in boxes um, and eat there just because they were nervous about the kind of current COVID outbreaks at the time. But, you know, even then, like it, you can't complain about it because it, it was we get we get treated so well at Notre Dame and in the Big Ten and you know, pre-COVID, we, we would, as a team, you know, on the road, we get to go out to, to steakhouses now and then and, and do all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. You know, that's what, I'll, that's what I'll miss, you know, the night before the weekend with the guys having some laughs and sitting with the seniors and the juniors and whatnot, and like just, you know, getting to know everyone more, telling stories, you know. it's So it was hard, but, again, I can't stress enough how good we have it. Um, and I can't speak for other schools, but – you know, we, we, it's, it's a good spot to be. You got very lucky. It seems like, yeah, uh, that's which, awesome. Which I'm happy, happy Notre Dame was able to support their athletes uh, like that. I want to talk about your childhood now and how you sort of found your passion for hockey. You grew up in, in the state of hockey in Minnesota. So sort of tell us where that origin uh, begin for you when it comes to hockey? Were you a Wild fan? Were you a Winnipeg Jets fan? Because I know it's pretty split up there. Yeah, so both my parents are Canadian. Uh, my, I'm, a, I'm a, also a Canadian citizen just because, you know, naturally. Yeah, so it's uh, – my, my dad came down to the States uh, before me and my brothers were born to kind of start with his work. And we were all kind of born and raised in Minnesota – um so obviously you know being Canadian and living in Minnesota we obviously played hockey and um I I wasn't like we moved away to New Hampshire actually when I was seven and lived there for 13 years so that's kind of where the bulk of like my hockey story is is actually out east in New Hampshire um played uh I'm very familiar with there yeah yeah Played the majority of my my youth hockey career kind of with, you know, teams like Top Gun, New Hampshire Avalanche, and then primarily um, the New Hampshire Monarchs, kind of U16, U18, at the time EHL. I think it's called NCDC now or something, but in the USBHL. But um, that's where I really kind of came into my own, I would say, as a hockey player. You know, I was a late birth year uh probably hit puberty a lot later than everyone, but, you know, I, I hung in there and, you know, it ended up paying big dividends. And uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I actually went undrafted in the USHL. 
um, during the phase one or whatever. But that same year, I got the opportunity to head out to Sioux City and ended up uh, staying the rest of the way my sophomore year of high school and then did did two more years after that in the USHL and was lucky enough to find my way to Notre Dame. So, yeah, so I, I got to ask, um, you know, with the USHL, you mentioned you went undrafted and uh, once you found a team, what was that league like? Cause that's really the first level of you're like, okay, things are starting to actually, you know, get serious here. I might have a legit shot of, uh, making this into uh, more than a passion, more more than a hobby. Um, and also, what was the process of, like, leaving home to go play there? Like, for you, we always end up asking uh, kids, just guys, well, guys that come on the podcast, just because, for me, I was playing in Scottsdale, Arizona, and then moved up to Vancouver to play in the dub. And uh, I love hearing about other people's like process of leaving their family and going to play because it's so different for everybody. So I'd love to hear how that was for you. Yeah. I mean, it was to answer that question first. Um, I think, you know, I was, I was serious and I had big aspirations, but I, I, I don't know if I was ever really taken seriously as a hockey player, as much as I thought, you know, like living in New Hampshire and playing, you know, all those years before high school and then at the beginning of high school and U16, U18, like I didn't even get recruited by prep schools. Like I wasn't even like considered one of the better players on my team. So so you were a grinder. You were an underdog in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of been, you know, passed on a lot in my career and I feel that. So when, when the USHL that like I'd say my freshman and sophomore year when I started playing with the New Hampshire Monarch, that's when I really kind of started to hit puberty, kind of catch up to everyone and kind of take my game to the next level. But when the USHL came calling to me as a New Hampshire kid, you know, like I remember the night of the USHL draft for the phase one, I thought I might go to, I don't even remember what team it was at the time, but as a New Hampshire kid, like it's not like all these Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan kids, like you're pretty lucky to get drafted. You know, a team had told me they were taking me and they didn't. I remember. That's cold. I was stone cold right there. In the long, like in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a big deal, but like, I was just so passionate about the game. and I loved it. And like, I was crying that night, like just not getting drafted. So then, later on that year for a team to actually be offering me the chance to come play, like to get that kind of recognition, it was a no brainer for me to hard to leave home and leave my family. But I mean, my parents just want me to, I think my mom was a little nervous because I was 15 and I didn't even have like facial hair or anything going out to the USHL, but it was a no brainer. Like I, I've, I've always been someone who's really goal oriented and, with high aspirations and, you know, any chance you start to see that stuff kind of materializing, I think you got to jump on it and go for it. That's great. I, I can't believe a team. I'm sorry. You had it. First of all, deal, deal with that. And, um, you know, I, I know what it's like to be underdog. I've seen myself as, you know, been in your shoes, not really in an athletic way, more in uh, how do I just put it, in general in life, and uh, it's it sucks, but it teaches you a lot in the end. Uh, it shapes you who you are. It shapes your drive down the road. You mentioned how 
when you got to New Hampshire, you really changed your game. What were some of those changes that you made to adjust your game that sort of made you pop off and stand out? Yeah, I mean, I would just say puberty was a big part of it. Really? Being a, being there was a, nothing nothing on the ice. Well, I mean, like I, I always was working hard and trying to become more skilled and stuff like that. But, you know, it's hard when you're a December birthday and, you know, yeah. you have teammates who are already above six feet and I'm like five, six and, you know, mm-hmm. don't even like have like my man legs or a deep voice, you know? So like, <laughs> I mean, I, I think as I, I kind of started to take working out seriously, um, like in the gym with weights, uh, somewhere around like seventh grade, um, with Clint Edinger, he's kind of like who I owe everything to in terms of my trainer. I trained with him up until, um, we moved to Minnesota a year ago. Um, and he just, he just through working out with him and training on ice, he kind of just fostered the confidence in me to kind of start using my skills that I had always been working on but you know it's just hard to show them when you're this little petite kid so I kind of just honestly the big thing was just puberty and working out and then that kind of fosters confidence what did you feel like the big differences were between going from the USHL to college like being around those guys and then also stepping foot on the ice game wise yeah so like I mean I mean I'm sure everyone will say something different um I don't think the jump is as, as big as everyone thinks. Um, you know, it's oh, interesting. It's obviously just way like the players are better. Like it's faster, it's stronger, it's more mature. But in terms of the actual play, like I'd say like playing in a conference like the Big Ten, it, it's definitely a higher level just because a lot of the better players are concentrated within a conference. Um, you know, I think the same goes for some of those other divisions like the NCHC and whatnot. But I would say the big jump is, is more so between the ears. Uh, it's, it's learning how to be a student athlete. Um, and then also, you know, attention to detail, you know, it's not, it's not just, I mean, it, it, you kind of see in the USHL, it starts to become more systematic and you do video and stuff like that. But, you know, at least in my experience at Notre Dame, it just, it jumps to a whole new level with, the amount you're expected to prepare for games um, and no systems and, and, you know, be expected to deliver um, and honestly have systems become like second nature. So that was the biggest difference for me. I don't want to, I guess before, I don't want to understate that, that college is, it's, it's definitely much better hockey, but for me, the biggest jump was just more so it, it just becomes more and more, you know, sophisticated professional. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's what I think it was for me. And I got to ask going back before college again, um, the process of being recruited to different colleges, where, where did you get offers from? And also what was that recruitment process like? Because it really is different for every sport. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was recruited by, by a good handful of schools, um, and it was a little overwhelming at the time just cause, you know, I went from being in New Hampshire where I was begging coaches to come watch me play. And I really only talked to a couple schools. I visited one, but then when I went out to the USHL kind of in that first month or so, it kind of, 
came on really fast with with schools and stuff um and you know my brother was was committed to Notre Dame already um playing with me in Sioux City and you know it was a decision to make um there's there's so many great schools out there and places to end up but for me once I saw Notre Dame and you know I have these visions in my mind of what I want to be and you know the coaches are walking me around and you learn about the program and it really ended up being a no-brainer for me. Was there – I got to ask, because I see it on TikTok all the time, but was there any of those, like, stereotypical uh, recruitment situations where they were like, you come here, you, you're going you're gonna to be the number one player, you're going to – like, you're going straight to the show. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's – everyone's everyone's always pitching something, and, you know, that's their job, right? They're under – Recruiters yeah. under pressure to bring kids in, and I mean they're not gonna kind of make it seem like painful when they're walking you around. So you know sometimes. What they, were the other places that? What were the other places that you were potentially gonna go to? Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah, really. Yeah, know. Can you say? Yeah, but, hey, hey, if uh, you want to keep that, you know, magician yeah. can never get give out his tricks. No, we we I understand. Mean, the the totally. schools the schools you would probably think of. Um, Typical schools. Yeah, I, okay. I, I had some good options, but I, I would never want to kind of disclose that and, you know, make it seem like I passed up on schools just because really, totally. like, there's, totally. there's so many good schools out there. And like, you know, after I signed, like even like I had coaches who recruited me from schools I didn't go to call me and like say congrats. And, you know, you're not really – I guess it's like an unspoken thing. You probably shouldn't talk to other college coaches when you're playing for a school, but you know, it's the hockey world. There's so many great people and there's so many great it's a tight knit community. Yeah. I could have ended up in a lot of great spots. So it was, uh, it was a hard decision, but the right one, I think to go to Notre Dame. Was there ever any part of you that considered going to uh, like the WHL or the OHL? Yeah. I mean, I was, um, I was drafted into the queue by Gatineau, um, in their draft. And, um, you know, I definitely considered it. Um, you know, I had to be careful with all that, uh, NCAA. Yeah. Recruitment rules and stuff. Rules. So I, I was definitely standoffish about it, but I mean, I definitely, and honestly, the thing that played into that was, you know, after getting passed out, passed over in the USHL draft and then, getting drafted into the queue and, you know, having it seem like a team really wants you, um, that made it attractive. And I, I really wasn't talking to many schools. Um, and, you know, my dad played in the dub for Swift Current. Um, so it, I, my brother, my older brother and I both considered it, but, you know, it didn't really end up coming to fruition. And um, I'm really glad I ended up at Notre Dame, but it was definitely mm -hmm. a possibility. No, yeah, because that's, that's a very popular thing we talk with a lot of guys about, and I know it can be a tough decision. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, what, was the, what was the deciding factor for you and your family when you Just had about asked that. Gatineau yeah. that was, like, interested with you, drafted you, and then you also obviously at that same time are getting approached by schools? Yeah, I think I, think I just, you know – I think for me, it was just the chance to be a student athlete. Um, you know, you've already talked about the fans. 
Um, and I know there is, you know, I, I would have been just fine whether I went to a Canadian college or in the States if I had gone to the queue. But um, for me, just a place like Notre Dame, I don't think it can be offered in many other places. So, and, and I wasn't being recruited by Notre Dame at all, like when I made that decision to stay and not go, but it was honestly just, I, I don't, I don't even, it was just my, my family, we kind of just like unspokenly decided that we weren't going to kind of do it, keep our options open, I guess. Yeah, no, that's uh, awesome. You, you've had quite the path and we're all for it here. And unfortunately the USHL wasn't the last time you were passed on, you were passed on in the NHL draft. Um, you're ranked 86 heading into the 2018 draft. Um, were you hopeful that you were going to get drafted that year? Just sort of tell us about that. And obviously, um, you have the ultimate perseverance and have proved the haters wrong and proved the doubters. So just tell us about 2018. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> Pull out your handkerchief. It's a sad story. Oh, God. Um, oh, geez. I, yeah, I went to the draft. Um, oh, wow. My family went. I was told I was going. Oh, uh, jeez, bro. I was going uh, as high as third round. And, uh, you know, my, my, myself and my family, we went. And, you know, it was my dream. And I probably wouldn't have gone if I was hearing, like, oh, you might go. But, you know, I was hearing a lot of things that uh, made it sound like it was going to be a really special night. Um, potentially, potentially even early on, um, on the second day, but, uh, sat through all seven rounds, uh, cried. Wow. It was, it was crushing. Dang, dude. I'm so sorry. That's so tough. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it was the best thing to happen to me. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's fuel to the fire. It's absolutely. It's, I'm it's, sure. Gives you the budge to to not be satisfied. Not that I think I would have been satisfied had I been drafted. Um, I think I would still be in a very similar situation as I was just, you know, but as I am now, but I, it was crushing. I mean, for starters, I just felt bad, you know, to bring my family out and have all these expectations. And then I even felt embarrassed. You know, you, you tell people you're expecting to go, it's your dream. But I mean, it's adversity and uh, I'm better because of it. Um, Absolutely. Really 100%. You just won MVP and the top goal scorer for Notre Dame. I mean, the, 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 the work speaks for itself. 100%, bro. I mean, the big thing is, and you know, it's, it's cheesy, but I mean, it's just one of those sports and everyone's path is different, you know? So for me, for me in particular, it was probably one of the better things that ever happened to me. Um, to, to sit through that and experience that kind of, you know, embarrassment, um, motivation, adversity. So it was a sad, but honestly a special day for me. Dude, like just hearing this gets me more like hyped up for when you hit the pros, when you hit the AHL and, and the NHL. Like, Do you like, feel like it's something that motivates you every day? Uh not anymore. Um, well, well, constantly being an underdog, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I've always, yeah, I've always considered myself someone who's 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 passed on, and that motivates me. Um, 
but I don't know. There's this, yeah. There's this kind of thing that just, you know, I just ignites the fire. Inspire, and I aspire to do great things. And you know, I'm not gonna let anyone define me or let hell yeah, man. Let a draft kind of deter me from from where I want to end up. So I'm fired up right now. To be honest, (laughs) I love that way of thinking, bro. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's the attitude you gotta have for any athlete or just any human, really, in general. It's listening. Um, so we, we got to talk about getting signed by Toronto. Uh, you had, you had a phenomenal year. You led the team in goals and points. Um, you won the MVP team MVP literally moments before we, we started this podcast. Um, walk us through getting signed by Toronto. When did you start hearing things that this might be happening? And I know cause you've been through the ringer where you've been told, Oh, something might happen. Yeah. Did you were like, eh, whatever, like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Let's, let's see what happens. Uh, I mean, the big thing for me was I didn't want to hear about it until after we were officially eliminated. Jeez. Yeah. 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 No, you're all good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the big thing for me was just not wanting to hear about any of that stuff and have my mind in any other place than playing for Notre Dame and trying to win a national championship. So I, I was very kind of just dialed. I'm kind of the type of person who's dialed in on something. Um, so I was just dialed in on trying to, to make the best of the season at hand. Um, and then once the season ended, um, obviously, you know, that stuff kind of started to come to fruition. Um, and, you know, there was, there were times during the year where, you know, people tweet things and, you know, it's, it's hard just cause you know, you're trying your best to just focus on it. And then people see things and then people are wondering, Oh, is this guy like just thinking about this? Like, is that what he wants to do at the end of the year? But for me, honestly, I was just locked in. Um, and then when that stuff kind of happened and, you know, um, obviously met with the Leafs and um, I just got super excited about it. And it was a long, long, hard decision. Cause you know, I think I could have done great going back to Notre Dame and it could have been great for me too, but um, it was honestly just kind of a life decision for me. Absolutely. And um, that's just... awesome, bro. Sorry. I might, I know no, my connections go, about a second ahead. behind. That's awesome, bro. Did it feel like when you signed that deal that it was kind of like a like a accomplishment that you've been waiting for for a long time of like reaffirming that all the work that you've put in is worth it? Yeah, I mean, I a few I don't know how many years ago now, but I think maybe when I was a freshman in high school, we did this like activity where you had to like write down a bunch of goals and keep them in your wallet and uh that freshman year, you know, I wrote sign an NHL contract in it. Um, and I, I don't even have that wallet anymore, but my mom like sent me a picture of that sheet after I signed and was like, you know, that was kind of just like a full circle moment. Like this is something that I've worked for. That's awesome. Something that I've wanted. And, you know, still though, I mean, you know, I signed an NHL contract. It's a big step you know, it's nice to be nice to be recognized and I'm grateful to, to be in a great situation moving forward, but you know, there's a lot of work to be done. You got to keep leveling up and 
um, uh, signing an NHL contract isn't my ultimate dream. So, well, we're glad, so true. I'm glad you're able so to achieve that dream. And a couple, couple more things here before we wrap up. Uh, talk, talk to us about um, what advice would you give to someone who's going through it right now? Um, an underdog, let's say. What, yeah. what piece of advice would you give to them? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big preacher at all. So I, you know, I, I, I can admire, you know, motivational speakers and stuff. Um, but for me, like, I, I think the big thing I would just say is <laughs> there's, this, there's this quote by Walt Whitman that uh, my buddy sent me. And it, it says, these are the days that must happen to you. Um, and, you know, I think, I I think that quote just, just kind of encapsulates, you know, how everyone's path is different and, you know, you need adversity. You you really do. So, you know, if, if you, if you think you're in a situation where everything's against you and, you know, you think, Oh, like I'm on a bad team, I'm not going to get noticed or, Oh, like I deserve better than this. Like, I, I honestly just think like, you know, you can make it happen. Uh, you, there's, it, it starts with yourself and then you got to go from there and just control the things you can control. But, and even now, like, I just feel like I'm preaching right now and I hate that, but. Um, <laughs> but it's true though. But like, no, everything that you're saying though is straight, yeah. like straight truth. And like, no, there's really no like fluff yeah. to it though. Like put in the work and yeah. like, you can get to where you want to go. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. And I just think that quote, you know, you, like I, I just think about the times, you know, when I was sitting there at the draft and, and crying and even in the USHL draft crying after the phase one, which now just sounds silly, but like, those are the days that, that I'm so glad they happened. Um, so that, I, I don't even know if that's advice, but that that's honestly, what I, I, <laughs> I love it. And that's great. No, that's great advice. And last last thing we want to talk about, talk about some sports culture, talk about some pop culture here, uh, some recent events going on in hockey. First off, who who is your favorite NHL team? The fans got it now. Oh, I mean, obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> but yeah. Grow, yeah. Grow, growing up. Growing nope, up. They've always have been. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've watched a lot of Toronto games just because I'm kind of a big, I don't know what you call it, a student of the game. And I just love watching Matthews Marner. I mean, the list goes on, but I would say I'm a big Winnipeg Jets fan. Um, My dad, my dad's from Winnipeg. Got Uh, it. My my mom and dad met at the university of Manitoba. And when they kind of got reinstated back into the league, um, before that, before that, I was kind of just like a Ovechkin Crosby fan. Um, Okay wasn't really latched onto a team, but when, when since Winnipeg's been in the league, I've, that's kind of who I've been riding with. All right. Great. And then this is, this is the, the question I've really been waiting to ask, and this is open to both of you because you're both pro athletes. I'm not a pro athlete. I am a sports broadcaster. I am not on the ice. <laughs> Obviously a major event went down earlier this week in the NHL <laughs> world. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Tom Wilson and the New York Rangers. Um, what's your stance on what happens? 
And do you think uh, the action that was taken by the Rangers and by the league was the right response? Alex, I'll let you, I'll let you jump into this first. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know, like I'm still, still kind of processing. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of athletes on social media who are on both sides of the spectrum here. Yeah. And like, I see, I honestly see both sides of it. So I can't really fall anywhere. Um, but I would say, you know, I think the majority of hockey fans thinks it thought it was pretty cool that, you know, right I mean, off, it was right like, it was there. crazy. Yeah. Cause I mean, the game, the game's wild. Changing. The game's changing. And, you know, for that to happen right off the, the drop, first of all, I mean, for guys who have been in a locker room, like, you, you know what it's like to stand up for your teammate. Even if, even if you think your teammate might've been in the wrong, like there was, yeah. there was for sure no doubt in that Rangers locker room that, Hey, you know what, this is what we're doing. This line is going to start and we're going to fight off the opening puck drop. So as a, as a player, I think I can just admire that in terms of, you know, the, the team team component of it uh, in terms of the events and suspensions, whatnot. I, I honestly Whatever. no comment <laughs> no i feel comment. the same fair, I, fair. Feel, I feel very very similar i feel like uh it's hard to debate on what the actual like ruling should have been on on them but it is cool to see it is cool and also wild to see a game like that uh because that does not happen a yeah. lot anymore in Never. the league the league's shifted so much from from that kind of a style to to seeing that again it's pretty crazy it is it is super nuts and um I had a friend who was actually at the game the other night and she like totally lost her voice from all, all the screaming. And um, yeah, just a crazy, crazy game. But um, Alex, we, we want to thank you for jumping on, man. Yeah. Hearing, hearing your story, like I said earlier, it's got me fired up. I'm really excited to see what, what you're going to be Likewise. doing, doing uh, down the road. And um, hopefully I'll, be able to catch you at uh, TD Garden soon up in Boston for a Maple Leafs uh, Bruins game. Uh, Absolutely. That's Alex, can you let everybody know where they can find you and follow you on Instagram yes. or Twitter or whatever you're posting? Yeah, for sure. I got to pull it up because I don't even know. Oh, you don't even know yours. All right. My, <laughs> my, my Insta is alex.steves and my Twitter Jeez, uh, it's oh boy, Steve's, under, Steve's underscore Alex. My profile pic is of my dog Hattie. Um, again, I love he, that, bro. I love that. I love that. Get, get chirped a lot for it, but I stand by it. So I'm a dog guy as well. So same here. Yep. Uh, well, awesome, Alex, bro. Alex, this was a treat, and best of luck again, and um, keep rocking, man. Appreciate it. Hey, enjoy the weekend, fellas. And that's good, brother. And that's going to do it for episode nine. Uh, huge thanks again to Alex Steves uh, for joining us today on the podcast. As for us, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, smash that subscribe button. Also, give Triple Deke a follow on Instagram at Triple Deke. And make sure to check out our Shopify page on Instagram. And also, check out our recent collaboration with Summer Skates to get the best high quality sandals on the market. That's going to do it on behalf of myself and JT Barnett saying so long. Thanks for listening and have a great day.